Good morning. This is Pastor Randy Anderson of This Is For You Ministry. Good morning, saints. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I know God has been so good to us throughout the week. And it's my desire to be in obedience to the spirit of God. I hope that what God has given us last week has truly blessed you. It was my desire to move into the next study for this week. But the Holy Spirit wanted me to expound on a couple of more facts from the subject, he that believeth on Christ, according to the scripture. It is evident that the Holy Spirit wants to bless us with knowledge and understanding of what the scripture actually states about believing in Christ. Let's read our foundational scripture and see what direction the spirit has led us to. John chapter seven, verse 37 and 39, and it reads, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me according to the scriptures, <clears throat> out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And let us pray. Fathers, in Jesus' name. We do thank you, dear Lord God, Father, for being a part of our lives. We thank you, dear Lord Father, for the spirit of God being in the world even today. We ask, dear Lord God, that you will lead, guide, and bless us, dear Lord God, as we journey on through the scriptures to learn more about how we need to believe in Jesus. We ask you, dear Lord Father, that you will just uh, bless those, dear Lord, that will listen to this podcast, dear Lord. It is our desire, dear Lord Father, to reach souls for Jesus, dear Lord, but we realize that we have to be about proclaiming your word in such a way that the audience will be really ready to receive. Lord Father, so we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you, dear Lord Father, uh, what you have done with the pandemic at, at this point in time. It seems to be, dear Lord, that things are starting to slow down, uh, dear Lord Father, and many things and more businesses are starting to open. And so, Lord, we say thank you. We know, dear Lord God, that you have your hand in every bit of what's going on, dear Lord Father, in this world. Now, Father, Lord, be with us, dear Lord Father, as we go through the scriptures and be able to get the understanding that the Holy Spirit wants us to see. For we ask you, dear Lord God, in Jesus' name I pray and say amen. Let me repeat something from the scripture we just read. Verse 38, it says, he that believeth on me as the scripture has said, he that believeth on me, that's Jesus saying, as the scripture has said, in saying that, it's saying that there is a certain way to believe on Christ and the scripture has the answer of how to do it. The scripture has the answer on how to do it. Let's go back and list those 11 points that we brought out last week about he that believeth in Christ. We said he that believeth in Christ has accepted the gospel message. He that believeth in Christ has the remission of sin. He that believeth in Christ has received the spirit of God. He that believeth in Christ has been declared righteous by God. He that believeth in Christ is not condemned. He that believeth in Christ is born again or born of God. He that believeth in Christ has everlasting life. He that believeth in Christ shall not dwell in darkness. He that believeth in Christ shall never thirst. 
He that believeth in Christ has considered Christ to be precious to him. Praise the Lord. He that believeth in Christ has became an example of the believer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's do a little recap, just a very brief recap of what we stated last week. Uh, we stated that a true believer is one whose life and professional faith is validated by Scripture. The first and main step for an unbeliever to become a believer, they must first trust God, hear the message of the gospel, respond to that message, which shows that you believe it. Then God would validate your belief by giving you the Holy Spirit. We also stated that a true believer is an example to others of how we need to be in word, in conversation, in spirit, in faith, in, in purity. Amen. Amen. This morning, we will focus on point number eight and point number 10. Point number eight said, he that believes in Christ shall not dwell in darkness. And point number 10 was, he that believeth in Christ had considered Christ to be precious to him. Amen. He that believeth on Christ, according to the scriptures, shall not dwell in darkness. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 44 through 46, he said, he that believeth on me, he believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that sees me, sees him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. He that believeth on me shall not abide in darkness. Amen. But before you say I'm not in darkness, let's define what it means. Webster defined darkness as the state of quality of being dark absent or deficiency of light, wickedness or evil, obscurity, concealment, lack of knowledge or enlightenment, lack of sight, blindness. The Greek defines darkness as of night darkness that we know of, darkened eyesight or blindness, metaphorically speaking, of the ignorance respecting divine things and human duties and the accompany of ungodliness and immorality together with their consequent misery in hell. Persons in whom darkness become visible and holds sway. Amen. Amen. That's the definition of darkness. First of all, we find out that we need to understand there are very many scriptures that talks about darkness. For the first scripture I want to share is, is People are in dark. Now, let me back up. Let me back up. We should answer this question. How did man get into darkness? Amen. It goes all the way back to the garden. It goes all the way back to the garden. When Adam took of the forbidden fruit, what he had of God, he lost. He had the light of God in his life that God can see his image in it. But once he partake of that uh, forbidden fruit, darkness took over his life. Darkness is in his life. The Bible goes on to say that God uh, came to fellowship with Adam in the cool of the day. And he said, Adam, where are thee? Well, why did he say that? We're talking to a God 
that knows everything, that God knows all about us and where we are at every point and step of our lives. He said that not because he didn't know exactly where he was, because he see now Adam is in darkness when he should be in the light. Darkness will cause us to hide or conceal things. We find that uh, Adam and Eve began to conceal their nakedness by putting leaves upon them and, and, and try to hide among the trees. That's how darkness came upon Adam. And we became a byproduct of the first man and darkness was within us just as sin was within us when we were born when we were born. When Jesus came on the scene, according to the scripture, he was the light of men. He was the light of man. There are some people that wanted that light. Then there were some that really didn't want to consider that light. And Jesus said this about evil men. In John 3, 19, he says, and this is condemnation, that light is coming to the world. Speaking of myself, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. <clears throat> because their deeds were evil, they love darkness. Now stop and think about it. A lot of the evil things that are done, and we realize in today's time, they don't matter about it being in the darkness. But just look at it for what we know it to be. They always did things in the darkness. In the darkness don't necessarily mean that in a place without light. In the darkness, it can mean that in a place that uh, is a condition. And that's where men are. They're in a condition of darkness. They begin to manifest the works of darkness. They begin to do the things that the spirit of darkness, which is Satan, was controlling them to do. Let me tell you how that works. Satan don't care about you reading the Bible. Satan don't care about you saying amen. What Satan bothers Satan is when you respond to what the Bible said. That's when he gets alert because now he gets to lose you if you start obeying the scripture. But long as you go to church and you're in darkness, you still his. You can be in the choir. There's been some preachers who come forth from preaching. They're in darkness. It don't matter what your gift may be. If Christ is not in you, then you are in darkness. Not your profession about Christ, but the question is, do you possess Christ in your life? The Bible says that many as received him to them, he gave powers to become the sons of God. Amen. Amen. Jesus also said in John chapter 8, verse 12, a, a, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The word have means possess. So he said, he that follows Jesus shall not conduct their lives in wickedness and the ignorance of spiritual things. The word walk means to regulate one's life. 
to the conduct of one life. Walk means a course that you're on. Your life and the journey that you're walking is your walk. What you do in that along that journey is part of your walk. Either your walk is about the light of God or your walk is about the darkness of evil. But you are walking in one way or the other. We find in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6 to 13, let me read this. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness. So that means that at some point I was in darkness. But now you are the light in the Lord. But that's what he's saying about me. He's saying about that to every saint. Not to just anyone who read that verse. To every saint, to those who have received Christ, you were sometime darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done in them in secret. But all things are, that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever does make manifest is light. You know, when people do things and they feel like, oh, man, I, I, I've been exposed. Well, that was light that exposed them. You know, man, you know, uh, I need you to validate that I was with you and. Uh, and I know we're not together, but when it comes out in the light, it exposes that darkness. It tells us that we shouldn't fellowship with it, but rather reprove it or correct them. Not rub them down, you okay, I got your back, you my homie. No, reprove them. You are now children of the light, not of the darkness. But the one thing about darkness that we don't seem to get is that it is a power that exists in this world. It is a power that is controlled or I say, say utilized by Satan himself. I don't know how much you thought about this verse. Ephesians 6 and 12 say, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I hear people talk all the time, we're in a spiritual battle, we're in a spiritual battle, but they never denounce what the darkness is. See, the spiritual battle has always been from the very beginning of time and it shall be to the end of time. It is good versus evil. What's right versus what's wrong. Well, I should let me put it this way. By doing right versus doing wrong. See, two saints can have a disagreement. But we should never leave one another and say, well, let's agree to disagree. Well, that's not Bible. When we have the word of God and we both are believers, 
then rather than disagree, agree to disagree, let's agree on what the Bible says, because the Bible is true. The Bible is true. It is never wrong. It doesn't have, I hear people say, well, here's an error. It doesn't have an error. There is a reason why things are written the way they are written. One day we'll talk about all those things, but right now this isn't time. We want to be able to say that darkness is controlled by Satan. He's the ruler of the darkness of this world. As long as you remain in darkness, he has you right where he wants you to be. Now, let's look at darkness on this side. Darkness is actually ignorance. Ignorance is not your friend. You're in darkness when you don't know what the word of God says about all that you have and all that you shall be. You're in darkness. But Jesus says to those who are saved, and I'm, now I'm talking to the newborn babes in Christ because they don't know a lot. But this is one thing that we have to guide them into. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be added unto you. Oh, pardon me. Shall be opened unto you. That's what we have to do. If you have the desire to want to know, then God is willing to share. God would not reveal to you what you're not able to receive. If you're not in, in the position or condition to receive it, you can read that Bible till you blue in the face. You will never get the understanding of what God wants you to understand till you get to a place in your heart that you want to know. A lot of times we want to know about things that are far above our head. Let me just put this, the book of Revelation, rather than trying to find out what is the basic things I need to do. And the real reason we don't go there is because we think we're more educated and knowledgeable about things than God is. We think we are more educated about it than God is. Amen. Let's move on. We find out that when it comes to darkness, when it comes to darkness, God has established how the light and the darkness came into being. We find in the book of Genesis chapter one, when God said, let there be light and there was light, but there was already darkness. So he made the light to come forth in the midst of darkness. And the darkness could not comprehend the light. It was expelled. You realize when you cut on the light in a dark room that's been dark, everything that's in there comes out Visible, you can see it for what it is. You can read it, boxes on the shelves of the medication, but cut the lights out. Yeah, you can see the box, but you don't know which one is which. Because the darkness doesn't allow all things to come out to be what it is. Reason why I say that is because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 6, but if our gospel be hid, it is here to them that are lost. Let's stop right and think of if our gospel be here. So there's a chance that the gospel can be hidden from people 
that are lost. But who is the one hiding it is the question. It's those who say they know God. These are the saints of God. But we need to be careful. If our gospel be hid, the good news of Christ, it is hidden or hidden from them that are lost. And whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. Get this. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, underline that, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, but who is it going to? It's going to those that are lost. Just as God commanded the light in the beginning to shine forth out of darkness, he wants it to shine forth out of us. Once Christ comes into our lives, he is the light of all men. But once he comes into our lives, he dispels the darkness that was once there. It is no longer exists because he abides there with us. And when he brings the light in us, then we can be just like God in that image. John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, this is the message which we have heard of him and declaring to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We find out that darkness, Christ does not want us to be in darkness. God does not want us to be in darkness. Our lives have to be transformed from the power of darkness into his glorious liberty of the light of Jesus Christ. That's how we get out of darkness. But it starts with us repenting of our sin. And that experience is what is entitled being born again. Hallelujah. Every man, woman, and child that comes into this world with the nature of sin has to be born again in order for the darkness to be dispelled out of their lives. Amen. Let's move on and get to our next point that we want to speak upon this day. He that believeth on Christ, according to the scripture, has considered Christ to be precious to them. Precious. Pressure means something of value, something that you want to hold on to. You don't want to just always just give it away. This is something that we want to hold on to. We hear about people having harem and they pass it on from generation to generation to generation. It stays in the family. Why? Because it's precious to them. Do you realize your great, 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 great grandmother held on to this? And it's passed on. Usually it's a gown for the ladies. Sometimes it's the rings for the men to give to the wives. But it's something that they deem precious to them. Well, that's in the natural sense. But when it comes to a Christian, we see that Christ is precious to us for all that he did. Let's read it. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 11 says, That if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shall believe in thy heart, that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture has said, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now we see this verse 9 and 10 operate a lot of times in church. Where if you believe, according to the Bible, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and we just 
throw that in there. Throw it in there. And that's what it says. But we leave out verse 11, which tells us what it means. For the scripture said, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. The word ashamed means shall not be dishonored, shall not be disgraced, or that their hope was not made to be deceitful. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now that if you have believed and confessed with your mouth about salvation, how do you feel about Christ? That's what he's trying to say. Because if you really believed, then things would transform inside of your life. Your our circumstances may not change at that moment, but you would change at that moment. And that from within, if you truly believed in your heart, that God has raised Christ from the dead. That's the gospel message. And believe with your heart. I mean, uh, made a confession with your mouth about salvation. I'm saved. If that has happened, then you're going to realize how precious Christ Jesus is to you. We're going to realize how Christ Jesus, how precious Christ Jesus is to you. First Peter Chapter two, he picks up on the same phrase, but in a different way. Wherefore, also, it is contained in the scripture. I love this about these brethren. They always went back to the scriptures from of old to bring about what it means for us in the present. Praise the Lord. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builder disallowed, the same is made ahead of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumbled at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Peter quotes Isaiah 28 and 16, which says, Thus, therefore, Thus said the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tri-stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and he that believeth shall not make haste. He is showing us that the Isaiah spoke about a coming stone that the Lord will, or I should say, has put in Zion. The stone was to be the foundational stone, a tried stone. That stone was tried in every which way, and it didn't have a crack in it. It was a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. This cornerstone is Christ Jesus, and every believer has to line up with him, every one of us. You say you ain't got no Bible on that. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 19 and 20, it says, Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and other household of God. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, whom all the building fitly framed together, groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom also you are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. That is truly what the church is. 
It is all of us laid upon brick upon brick with Jesus Christ being the head cornerstone. Now, in my early years when I was looking for employment, uh, there was a, a, a man in the neighborhood. His name was Mr. Ike. He had a construction business, so he was willing to hire me. And I went out there to this site we went to in Kentucky, and um, uh, he was laying bricks. But all he wanted me to do is take the pile of bricks, put it in this wheelbarrow, and lug it up this hill to bring it to him. And I did that. And I began to ask him. He said, do you know anything about uh, uh, building? I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, see that corner, that, that stone right there? And he said, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, that's the cornerstone. Everything is built upon that cornerstone. Back then, I didn't know Bible. Back then, I didn't have a clue of what he was talking about. But when I read this verse, that Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, the Holy Spirit took me back into that time where it was. So I got to keep going because I seem like time is getting ready to run out on us here. Amen. Amen. He said, unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. How is he precious? He paid the price for us to be free from sin. He made it possible for us to be at peace with God and to have a true fellowship relationship with him. When we trust the Bible and do by faith what it instructs us to do, the believers find out that it works every time. So that's why he's so precious to us that we are willing to give him the reverence that he deserves. Amen, amen, amen. Let's conclude. The, the Christ is the light of all men. When we humble ourselves to receive him into our heart, then he would disband the darkness from us. When we walk in the obedience of the word, the light is now. Good morning. This is Pastor Randy Anderson of This Is For You Ministry. Good morning, saints. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I know God has been so good to us throughout the week. And it's my desire to be in obedience to the spirit of God. I hope that what God has given us last week has truly blessed you. It was my desire to move into the next study for this week, but the Holy Spirit wanted me to expound on a couple of more facts from the subject, he that believeth on Christ, according to the scripture. It is evident that the Holy Spirit wants to bless us with knowledge and understanding of what the scripture actually states about believing in Christ. Let's read our foundational scripture and see what direction the Spirit has led us to. John chapter 7, verse 37 and 39, and it reads, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me according to the scriptures, <clears throat> out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And let us pray. Fathers, in Jesus' name, we do thank you, dear Lord God, Father, for being a part of our lives. We thank you, dear Lord Father, for the Spirit of God being in the world even today. We ask, dear Lord God, that you will lead, guide, and bless us, dear Lord God, as we journey on through the scriptures to learn more about how we need to believe in Jesus. We ask you, dear Lord Father, that you will just uh, bless those, dear Lord, that will listen to this podcast, dear Lord. 
It is our desire, dear Lord Father, to reach souls for Jesus, dear Lord. But we realize that we have to be about proclaiming your word in such a way that the audience will be really ready to receive. Lord Father, so we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you, dear Lord Father, on what you have done with the pandemic at, at this point in time. It seems to be, dear Lord, that things are starting to slow down, uh, dear Lord Father, and many things and more businesses are starting to open. And so, Lord, we say thank you. We know, dear Lord God, that you have your hand in every bit of what's going on, dear Lord Father, in this world. Now, Father, Lord, be with us, dear Lord Father, as we go through the scriptures and be able to get the understanding that the Holy Spirit wants us to see. For we ask you, dear Lord God, in Jesus' name I pray and say amen. Let me repeat something from the scripture we just read. Verse 38, it says, he that believeth on me as the scripture has said. He that believeth on me, that's Jesus saying, as the scripture has said. In saying that, it's saying that there is a certain way to believe on Christ and the scripture has to answer of how to do it. The scripture has the answer on how to do it. Let's go back and list those 11 points that we brought out last week about he that believeth in Christ. We said he that believeth in Christ has accepted the gospel message. He that believeth in Christ has the remission of sin. He that believeth in Christ has received the spirit of God. He that believeth in Christ has been declared righteous by God. He that believeth in Christ is not condemned. He that believeth in Christ is born again or born of God. He that believeth in Christ has everlasting life. He that believeth in Christ shall not dwell in darkness. He that believeth in Christ shall never thirst. He that believeth in Christ has considered Christ to be precious to him. Praise the Lord. He that believeth in Christ has become Came an example of the believer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's do a little recap, just a very brief recap of what we stated last week. Uh, we stated that a true believer is one whose life and profession of faith is validated by scripture. The first and main step for an unbeliever to become a believer, they must first trust God, hear the message of the gospel, respond to that message, which shows that you believe it, then God would validate your belief by giving you the Holy Spirit. We also stated that a true believer is an example to others of how we need to be in word, in conversation, in spirit, in faith, in, in purity. Amen. Amen. This morning, we will focus on point number eight and point number 10. Point number eight said, he that believeth in Christ shall not dwell in darkness. And point number 10 was, he that believeth in Christ hath considered Christ to be precious to him. Amen. He that believeth on Christ, according to the scriptures, shall not dwell in darkness. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 44 through 46, he said, he that believeth on me, he believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that sees me, sees him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. 
He that believeth on me shall not abide in darkness. Amen. But before you say I'm not in darkness, let's define what it means. Webster defined darkness as the state of quality of being dark, absent or deficiency of light, wickedness or evil, obscurity, concealment, lack of knowledge or enlightenment, lack of sight, blindness. The Greek defines darkness as of night darkness that we know of, darkened eyesight or blindness, metaphorically speaking, of the ignorance respecting divine things and human duties and the accompanying of ungodliness and immorality together with their consequent misery in hell, persons in whom darkness becomes visible and holds sway. Amen. Amen. That's the definition of darkness. First of all, we find out that we need to understand there are very many scriptures that talks about darkness. For the first scripture I want to share is, is people are in dark. Now, let me back up. Let me back up. We should answer this question. How did man get into darkness? Amen. It goes all the way back to the garden. It goes all the way back to the garden. When Adam took of the forbidden fruit, what he had of God, he lost. He had the light of God in his life that God can see his image in. But once he partake of that uh, forbidden fruit, darkness took over his life. Darkness is in his life. The Bible goes on to say that God uh, came to fellowship with Adam in the cool of the day. And he said, Adam, where are thee? Well, why did he say that? We're talking to a God that knows everything, that God knows all about us and where we are at every point and step of our lives. He said that not because he didn't know exactly where he was, because he see now Adam is in darkness when he should be in the light. Darkness will cause us to hide or conceal things. We find that uh, Adam and Eve began to conceal their nakedness by putting leaves upon them and, and, and try to hide among the trees. That's how darkness came upon Adam and we became a byproduct of the first man and darkness was within us just as sin was within us when we were born when we were born. When Jesus came on the scene, according to the scripture, he was the light of men. He was the light of man. There are some people that wanted that light. Then there were some that really didn't want to consider that light. And Jesus said this about evil men. In John 3, 19, he says, and this is condemnation, that light is coming to the world. Speaking of myself, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. <clears throat> because their deeds were evil, they love darkness. And I stop and think about it. A lot of the evil things that are done, and we realize in today's time, they don't matter about it being in the darkness. But just look at it for what we know it to be. They always did things in the darkness. 
In the darkness don't necessarily mean that in a place without light. In the darkness it can mean that in a place that uh, is a condition. And that's where men are. They're in a condition of darkness. They begin to manifest the works of darkness. They begin to do the things that the spirit of darkness, which is Satan, was controlling them to do. Let me tell you how that works. Satan don't care about you reading the Bible. Satan don't care about you saying amen. What Satan bothers Satan is when you respond to what the Bible said. That's when he gets alert because now he gets to lose you if you start obeying the scripture. But long as you go to church and you're in darkness, you still his. You can be in the choir. There's been some preachers who come forth from preaching. They're in darkness. It don't matter what your gift may be. If Christ is not in you, then you are in darkness. Not your profession about Christ, but the question is, do you possess Christ in your life? The Bible says, and many as received him to them, he gave powers to become the sons of God. Amen. Amen. Jesus also said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The word have means possess. So he said, he that follows Jesus shall not conduct their lives in wickedness and the ignorance of spiritual things. The word walk means to regulate one's life, to the conduct of one life. Walk means a course that you're on. Your life and the journey that you're walking is your walk. What you do in that along that journey is part of your walk. Either your walk is about the light of God or your walk is about the darkness of evil. But you are walking in one way or the other. We find in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6 to 13, let me read this. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness. So that means that at some point I was in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. But that's what he's saying about me. He's saying about that to every saint, not to just anyone who read that verse, to every saint, to those who have received Christ. You were sometime darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done in them in secret, but all things that are reproved or made manifest by the light. For whatsoever does make manifest is light. You know, when people do things and they feel like, oh man, I, I, I've been exposed. Well, that was light that exposed them. 
you know, man, you know, uh, I need you to validate that I was with you. And uh, and I know we're not together, but when it comes out in the light, it exposed that darkness. It tells us that we shouldn't fellowship with it, but rather reprove it or correct them. Not rub them down, you okay, I got your bag, you my homie. No, reprove them. You are now children of the light, not of the darkness. But the one thing about darkness that we don't seem to get is that it is a power that exists in this world. It is a power that is controlled or I say, say utilized by Satan himself. I don't know how much you thought about this verse. Ephesians 6 and 12 say, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I hear people talk all the time, we're in a spiritual battle, we're in a spiritual battle, but they never uh, denounce what the darkness is. See, the spiritual battle has always been from the very beginning of time and it shall be to the end of time. It is good versus evil. What's right versus what's wrong. Well, I should let me put it this way. By doing right versus doing wrong. See, two saints can have a disagreement, but we should never leave one another and say, well, let's agree to disagree. Well, that's not Bible. When we have the word of God and we both are believers, then rather than disagree, agree to disagree. Let's agree on what the Bible says, because the Bible is true. The Bible is true. It is never wrong. It doesn't have, I hear people say, well, here's an error. It doesn't have an error. There is a reason why things are written the way they are written. One day we'll talk about all those things, but right now this isn't the time. We want to be able to say that darkness is controlled by Satan. He's the ruler of the darkness of this world. And as long as you remain in darkness, he has you right where he wants you to be. Now, let's look at darkness on this side. Darkness is actually ignorance. Ignorance is not your friend. You in darkness when you don't know what the word of God says about all that you have. And all that you shall be. You're in darkness. But Jesus says to those who are saved, and I'm now I'm talking to the newborn babes in Christ, because they don't know a lot. But this is one thing that we have to guide them into. Jesus said, Ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be added unto you. Oh, pardon me. She'll be open unto you. That's what we have to do. If you have the desire to want to know, then God is willing to share. God would not reveal to you what you're not able to receive. If you're not in, in the position or condition to receive it, you can read that Bible to you blue in the face. 
you will never get the understanding of what God wants you to understand till you get to a place in your heart that you want to know. A lot of times we want to know about things that are far above our head. Let me just put this, the book of Revelation, rather than trying to find out what is the basic things I need to do. And the real reason we don't go there is because we think we're more educated and knowledgeable about things than God is. We think we are more educated about it than God is. Amen. Let's move on. We find out that when it comes to darkness, when it comes to darkness, God has established how the light and the darkness came into being. We find in the book of Genesis chapter one, when God said, let there be light and there was light, but there was already darkness. So he made the light to come forth in the midst of darkness and the darkness could not comprehend the light. It was expelled. You realize when you cut on the light in a dark room that's been dark, everything that's in there comes out visible. You can see it for what it is. You can read it, boxes on the shelves of the medication, but cut the lights out. Yeah, you can see the box, but you don't know which one is which. Because the darkness does not allow all things to come out to be what it is. Reason why I say that is because the Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 to 6, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Let's stop right and think of if our gospel be hid. So there's a chance that the gospel can be hidden from people that are lost. But who is the one hiding it is the question. It's those who say they know God. These are the saints of God. But we need to be careful. If our gospel be hid, the good news of Christ, it is hidden or hidden from them that are lost. And whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servant for Jesus' sake. Get this. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, underline that, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, but who's it going to? It's going to those that are lost. Just as God commanded the light in the beginning to shine forth out of darkness, he wants it to shine forth out of us. Once Christ comes into our lives, he is the light of all men. But once he comes into our lives, he dispels the darkness that was once there. It is no longer exists because he abides there with us. And when he brings the light in us, then we can be just like God in that image. John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, this is the message which we have heard of him and declaring to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
we find out that darkness, Christ does not want us to be in darkness. God does not want us to be in darkness. Our lives have to be transformed from the power of darkness into his glorious liberty of the light of Jesus Christ. That's how we get out of darkness. But it starts with us repenting of our sin. And that experience is what is entitled being born again. Hallelujah. Every man, woman, and child that comes into this world with the nature of sin has to be born again in order for the darkness to be dispelled out of their lives. Amen. Let's move on and get to our next point that we want to speak upon this day. He that believeth on Christ, according to the scripture, has considered Christ to be precious to them. Precious. Precious means something of value, something that you want to hold on to. You don't want to just always just give it away. This is something that we want to hold on to. We hear about people having harem and they pass it on from generation to generation to generation. It stays in the family. Why? Because it's precious to them. Do you realize your great, 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 great grandmother held on to this? And it's passed on. Usually it's a gown for the ladies. Sometimes it's the rings for the men to give to the wives. But it's something that they deem precious to them. Well, that's in the natural sense. But when it comes to Christians, we see that Christ is precious to us for all that he did. Let's read it. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 11 says, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shall believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture has said, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now we see this verse 9 and 10 operate a lot of times in church. Where if you believe, according to the Bible, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, and we just throw that in there, throw it in there. And that's what it says. But we leave out verse 11, which tells us what it means. For the scripture said, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. The word ashamed means shall not be dishonored, shall not be disgraced, or that their hope was not made to be deceitful. Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Now that if you have believed and confessed with your mouth about salvation, how do you feel about Christ? That's what he's trying to say. Because if you really believed, then things would transform inside of your life. Your outward circumstances may not change at that moment. But you would change at that moment and that from within. If you truly believed in your heart that God had raised Christ from the dead, that's the gospel message. And believe with your heart. I mean, uh, made a confession with your mouth about salvation. I'm saved. If that has happened, then you're going to realize how precious Christ Jesus is to you. We're going to realize how Christ Jesus, how precious Christ Jesus is to you. First Peter chapter two, he picks up on the same phrase, but in a different way. Wherefore, also, it is contained in the scripture. I love this about these brethren. They always went back to the scriptures 
from of old to bring about what it means for us in the present. Praise the Lord. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builder disallowed, the same is made ahead of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumbled at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Peter quotes Isaiah 28 and 16, which says, Thus, therefore, thus said the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tri-stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and he that believeth shall not make haste. He is showing us that the Isaiah spoke about a coming stone that the Lord will, or I should say, has put in Zion. The stone was to be the foundational stone, a tried stone. That stone was tried in every which way, and it didn't have a crack in it. It was a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. This cornerstone is Christ Jesus, and every believer has to line up with him, every one of us. You say, you ain't got no Bible on that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 20, it says, Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and other household of God. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord in whom also you are built together for a habitation of God through the spirit. That is truly what the church is. It is all of us laid upon brick upon brick with Jesus Christ being the head cornerstone. Now, in my early years, when I was looking for employment, uh, there was a, a, a man in the neighborhood. His name was Mr. Ike. He had a construction business, so he was willing to hire me. And I went out there to this site we went to in Kentucky, and um, uh, he was laying bricks. But all he wanted me to do was take the pile of bricks, put it in his wheelbarrow, and lug it up this hill to bring it to him. And I did that. And I began to ask him, he said, do you know anything about uh, uh, building? I said, no, sir, I don't. He said, see that corner, that, that stone right there? He said, yeah. I said, yeah. He said, that's the cornerstone. Everything is built upon that cornerstone. Back then, I didn't know Bible. Back then, I didn't have a clue of what he was talking about. But when I read this verse, that Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, the Holy Spirit took me back into that time where it was. So I got to keep going because I seem like time is getting ready to run out on us here. Amen. Amen. He said, unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious. How is he precious? He paid the price for us to be free from sin. He made it possible for us to be at peace with God and to have a true fellowship relationship with him. When we trust the Bible and do by faith what it instructs us to do, the believers find out that it works every time. 
So that's why he's so precious to us that we are willing to give him the reverence that he deserves. Amen, amen, amen. Let's conclude. The, the Christ is the light of all men. When we humble ourselves to receive him into our heart, then he will disband the darkness from us. When we walk in the obedience of the word, the light is 